Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and happy Wednesday to you, because uh, whenever you're listening to this show, uh, right now, here for me, it is Wednesday. So uh, thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, a lot of good stuff, some not-so-great stuff to talk about on the show. We've got an injury, uh, some injury news that just occurred very shortly before uh, starting the show here. I will get to that pretty quickly. I uh, got a whole bunch of Cardinals updates, including some injury updates. Uh, we've got uh, some performances from uh, from Tuesday to take a look at, including uh, a big game from Christian Yelich, who uh, shows us that maybe park factors uh, really are a thing. Not that I think we were really questioning that to begin with. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot of Phillies talk on this show. <laughs> and in fact, I made a, sort of a late audible on a guest for this show because uh, checking out what was going on with the Phillies Nationals, uh, I thought, boy, there's just a lot of Phillies stuff to talk about. And it had been a long time since I'd had Liv- Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports on the show. Uh, she is my go-to person when I want to talk Phillies. Uh, so I'm very, very psyched that on pretty short notice, Liz is able to join me. So she's going to be on the show in about 10 minutes. So looking forward to that. So, uh, so make sure that uh, I've got plenty of time to talk Phillies with Liz. I'm going to get right to it here. Now that late breaking news, at least as of the taping of the show, is that the Astros have placed Charlie Morton on the 10 day disabled list uh, with right shoulder discomfort. So uh, started to to feel that in his uh, start on Tuesday. He is expected to miss only one start. And I feel like I have said that phrase a lot on this show. And sometimes it's true. And sometimes it's not. So uh, the thing is, because of the timing with this, the start that Morton will definitely miss is this Sunday against the Angels. So uh, hopefully by the time next Monday rolls around, maybe you have a better idea of whether or not uh, Charlie Morton really is going to have a minimum stay on the DL. Maybe there's a chance you do get to use him next week uh, as a lot of us are in uh, playoffs now uh, some people are even in championship series right now and whatever format you're playing in it is crunch time can't stress that enough so uh, that report by the way uh, in terms of the the potential for just one missed start that's from Jake Kaplan of the athletic what we don't have a report on is who's going to start for the Astros this Sunday now there had been an earlier report maybe a week or so ago that uh, Josh James was being considered for maybe a uh, September call-up as a spot starter. It, it's possible. It doesn't really line up with his schedule, but if they held him back a couple of days, maybe we see Josh James. Or I think probably more likely we see a bullpen day on Sunday. So as of right now, it doesn't look like there's any real move to make here uh, since, again, Mort may only be out for the one start, so especially weekly leagues. It, it may not impact you at all, except for the leak, except for the current week where you're already locked into your rotation. So uh, be interesting and fun if Josh James, Josh James came up, but I've not actually seen any reports to that effect. And like I said, particularly for weekly leaguers, probably no impact here whatsoever. Uh, now, it's a much better news. 
James Paxton is going to start this Saturday against the A's, according to Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. So that's really good news. I did not start him this week uh, because, again, this is one of those situations where the timing didn't work out for us. And on Monday, it wasn't clear whether or not Paxton was going to be back this week. He is. He's going to start Saturday against the A's. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I forgot. I got to go back to the Morton thing because I forgot that the uh, the other move, the other uh, transaction there for the Astros is that they did activate Chris Davinsky. So if you're in the sort of league where holds or uh, reliever strikeouts or uh, ratios matter, that's uh, that's going to be relevant for you. Uh, so let's go back to bad news here for the A's. Uh, a double dose of bad news. First of all. Brad Anderson was placed on the DL on Tuesday. He's got a left forearm strain. And Sean Manaya, who had already been placed on the DL, he's been diagnosed with rotator cuff tendonitis, and he has been shut down in, uh, indefinitely. And according to Jane Lee of MLB.com, there is a chance that maybe Manaya is not going to pitch again uh, this season, but the, the timetable is indeterminate right now. So that's certainly the worst-case scenario. But, uh, you know, as far as those go, it's not a good one. But we could see Manaya back, so we'll obviously keep tabs on that. Now, with Manaya and Brett Anderson both out of the rotation, uh, the A's are going to plug in uh, Daniel Mengden and Frankie Montas. So, you know, fortunately, they've, they've built some depth there, and uh, you get a couple of viable starters uh, back in the rotation. But obviously, those are big losses, and especially with the way Anderson had been going uh, lately. That's uh, that's a rough loss there. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to start for the Red Sox on Saturday. So we're kind of alternating good news, bad news here with injury updates. Uh, so, uh, yep, uh, against the uh, White Sox could be Eduardo Rodriguez. And also Christian Vasquez is going to rejoin the team in that uh, weekend series as well. According to MassLive.com's Chris Cotillo. Uh, Joey Votto did some sliding drills on Tuesday and said he felt good and uh, he hopes to be activated soon. We all hope that for Joey Votto, that report from C. Trent Rosecrans uh, of uh, The Athletic and every once in a while on this show. Uh, Chris Bryant is going to play in one of two games for the Iowa Cubs today. They've got a doubleheader, so Chris Bryant's going to play in one of those. Uh, Addison Russell is back to throwing, but is still without a timetable for a return. And Brandon Morrow threw uh, from flat ground uh, at 105 feet. And uh, those are your Cubs injury updates for right now. Josh Donaldson's going to be placed on trade waivers today. And again, this is Wednesday. Uh, so there's possibility that he could be traded between now and uh, the Friday uh, waiver trade deadline. And uh, that's from John Heyman. And John also says that the Cardinals and Indians seem like logical spots, but there are other teams that are interested in Josh Donaldson. And on Monday's show with Matt Modica, we talked about this a little bit, and we surmised that the Braves were a, a good landing spot. But again, that was just you know our speculation based on need and not based on any actual news. Uh, so yeah, Cardinals certainly make sense, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But the Indians, that's a puzzling one because, again, uh, Terry Francona has said that he's not going to move Jose Ramirez off of third base, uh, that uh, Jason Kipnis isn't uh, going anywhere. He's going to you know, keep that second base job. So not exactly sure. I guess maybe DH with the Indians. 
But anyhow, uh, we will find out in the next two days, certainly by Friday's show, uh, we'll know something there about Josh Donaldson. Now, as far as the Cardinals go, a bunch of updates here. Colton Wong was placed on the DL with a left hamstring strain, and Jed Jed Jerko is dealing with a mild left groin strain, according to Fox Sports Midwest, and he is expected to miss at least a few days with that. So all of a sudden, the Cardinals, who have had outfield and infield log jams all season long, are really dealing with a lot of injuries uh, all over the field. And so one potential uh, scenario we could see is Matt Adams getting a bump in playing time with uh, Matt Carpenter going over to third and Greg Garcia uh, or maybe Yairo Munoz filling in at second base. So I think Matt Adams, uh, at least for a few days, maybe gets a, a little bit of playing time there. And also from MLB.com, we have a Michael Waka update. Uh, he left his rehab start on Tuesday after just 52 pitches due to fatigue. And he is going to be reevaluated today. Today, again, being Wednesday. And one final note for the Cardinals. They have removed the interim tag from what who was interim manager and now is just manager, Mike Schilt. And I just it always cracks me up that this is phrased as they've removed the interim tag because I don't know where they put the interim tag in the first place. To me, it's like a mattress tag. Like, can you remove that legally? I don't know. Anyway, we move on to assume some Padres news. They have placed Clayton Richard on the DL with left knee tendonitis. And in the corresponding move, and this is a big one, they did call up Luis Urias, and he played on Tuesday and in his Major League debut went 0 for 3 with a walk against the Mariners. So uh, if you need OBP, if you're in that kind of format or a batting average, uh, Urias definitely somebody to think about picking up. A little bit more power in the minors this year, too. But again, you know, bear in mind that's the Pacific Coast League. I'm not sure that that's going to translate to the majors or to Petco Park, especially. Uh, and in other September and late August call-up news, according to Tim Britton of The Athletic, the Mets are not calling up Peter Alonso. And I'm just going to leave that there because I'm sure that's making nobody in uh, Fantasy World happy. And uh, on Monday's show, I had talked about the possibility of the Phillies trading for uh, Jose Bautista. That did happen uh, over the last couple of days. So uh, Bautista back, uh, or not back with, uh, but (laughs) new as a Philly, and he made his Phillies debut on Tuesday night in a pinch hitting capacity, uh, pinch hitting for Aaron Nola. So I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of playing time there. For, uh, for Joey Bats, but I imagine that, uh, you know, well, that deal was a deal of convenience, that the Mets had a uh, a playing time crunch in the outfield, and the Phillies wanted probably to reinforce their bench, particularly after putting Justin Bohr on the DL. So, um, you know, I think that's that's the deal there, and, and really, you know, frankly, not a lot of impact uh, in either direction. So, uh, you know, speaking of the Phillies, uh, I think uh, in case you're just joining us, uh, that uh, Liz Rocher is uh, going to be with us, I think probably momentarily. Uh, so I'll certainly ask her about <laughs> what uh, she thinks about not only that Bautista deal. And by the way, that was a, um, uh, a, a trade for a player to be named later. In fact, we have to wait no longer for uh, Liz Rocher because we've got her on the line. So in case, uh, well, whether you're familiar with her work or not, you should check it out at uh, Yahoo Sports. 
at Big League Stew. Uh, and, of course, she writes uh, lots about the Phillies. Uh, so, Liz Rocher, great to have you back on the show, and thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here for some reason <laughs> well, to talk about the Phillies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about. So I kind of prefaced this at the beginning of the show saying uh, I sort of called the late audible here and saw it was going out with the Phillies last night and said it's it's a Liz Rocher day. So I'm really glad that you could. <laughs> I'm really glad you could make it on short notice. And I just discussed very briefly the uh, trade uh, Jose Bautista for a player to be named later. So I, I don't see any big impact there for the Phillies or for fantasy owners. But just in general, what are your thoughts not only about that deal, but about what the Phillies have and maybe haven't done uh, since around the July trade deadline? I think you're right about Bautista. I mean, I honestly think the wiser move would have been to do nothing. Uh, but they, uh, you know, the Phillies have been carrying a four-man bench, and when you're going to do that, you need guys who can hit. I guess for some reason they thought, of Bautista, I, he's barely cracked 200 this year, uh, so I don't get it at all. <laughs> but I mean, what could it hurt at this point? <laughs> well, they just they seem very desperate to reinforce the bench. And granted, I mean, if if you're going to target an area, I mean, maybe you could target more effectively. But uh, clearly, that that's a huge need for them. And they thought they did that when they got Justin Bohr, and he's hurt. So I, I think I get the logic. I'm not sure why they're not in. Uh, I mean, just as an example, on Monday's show, I had Matt Modica on, and we talked about uh, the Phillies being a, a reasonable target for Josh Donaldson. Uh, and I don't know if they're pursuing him or not, but it, you know, that certainly would be that'd be a bigger deal. That would be. I I wouldn't hate that, but I also think that the Phillies they're they're still playing with house money. They sort of know, I think, the team that they have, and you know, they didn't intend to actually contend this year. And so, you know, I don't think they're going to go out and get anybody serious. And they're not going to they, – they got exactly what they could for whatever it is they were willing to give up at the deadline. And for Justin Bourne, all told, it wasn't that much for everybody they've acquired this year. So it doesn't seem like they're really willing to spend. They, they came in third in the Manny Machado sweepstakes mm-hmm. and could have offered substantially more but chose not to. So they're – I don't think they're quite all in this year, which is fine, but it feels like they're flailing. It's just like it's Jose Bautista. Maybe two years ago, that was something to get excited about, but it's not really now. Yeah, no, but it's it's not. Um, well, you know, I want to go back to something that you said uh, just a minute ago that you know they're playing playing with house money, and I'm you know. It seems like the the front office has a, a good handle on things, so maybe they they are being realistic about that. And uh, I wrote a piece about a week ago, actually I think it was last Thursday, uh, where I looked at three players who were in the vicinity of twenty home runs, but it was hard to figure out how they got there. And two of them were Phillies, Michael Franco and um, Odubel Herrera, uh, who are now over twenty because uh, they both have hit a, a couple of homers recently. So Herrera's at twenty one, Franco's at twenty two. Uh, are you buying what they're doing uh, up to this point? Do you think they're a part of that, uh, maybe playing with house money phenomenon where maybe they've overperformed? I think Michael Franco has overperformed if the last two years are his norm. Um, but he had you know a great half season in 2015, and this looks a lot like that did. At least he's been slumping for the last, you know, as long as the Phillies have been slumping, actually. 
because uh, he was up to like 281 or something like that. He had an OBP of, you know, almost 350, which are all the things that I like to see. But he uh, he's kind of he's taken a nosedive since then. Um, but he's hit 20 homers before. Um, I think he definitely has the power. I mean, I definitely I buy the homers more than I buy anything else about him. Odubel Herrera is kind of the opposite. He's been, yeah. this has been one of the, this has been the worst year of his career after, you know, hitting like 360 or something through the first, you know, six weeks. He just has, he's hit 220 since then. It's been really tough. Uh, and I don't know where those homers are coming from. I don't know if he's selling out for power or if uh, something else terrible is happening. I don't know. What happened to him? I don't buy the homers on him, though. I would buy him being in a slump and hitting for average a little bit more. Yeah, because that's been his deal. And, you know, I, I I know like in the off season when I've looked at, you know, different categories and the draft situation, you know, I thought, well, OK, if I want batting average, you know, this is somebody who's looks like a sure thing, given that, you know, he uses the whole field and, um, you know, decent contact hitter. So yeah, it's it's kind of a topsy turvy world for Odubel Herrera this season. I don't I don't get it either, to be honest. Um, well, you know, part of uh, what motivated me to to ask you to come on the show, uh, Liz, was what was going on at the Phillies bullpen last night, and um, you know, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. And I got to tell you, I I wrote the bullpen uh, report column this morning for Rotographs, and pro- the thing I got the most commentary on was leaving. Sir Anthony Dominguez out of the out of uh, the closer grid, which is basically where we put the closer and then the next two in line. And I didn't think, you know, given the recent usage patterns uh, from Gabe Kapler and some of the things that he said to the press, I didn't even think that was controversial. And there were a few people who said, you know, how could you leave Dominguez out of this? He's going to be getting saves. So, I mean, do you think that's the case? Is he going to uh, get back in there and restore his standing as the closer um, or, you know, somebody else, or is this just going to be unsettled, do you think, for the, for the remainder of the season? I think it's going to remain unsettled. Uh, I think you were completely right to leave him out. Um, Gabe Kapler will make a mistake one more time than he should. He will make the mistake, make it again, and then maybe make it a third time. <laughs> and then that's when he says, this is enough. No more of this. Because that's what happened with Hector Neris. He was a, he went out for like three straight, terrible, terrible outings and then was shipped down to triple a, um, Sir Anthony Dominguez isn't going anywhere, especially now it's almost September, but he, he has such ability. And I think Kepler wants to trust him so badly, but Hector Neris has, he, he is the pitcher he was in, you know, 2017, He's, he's incredible again after spending so much time in, in AAA. You know, I think Kapler is starting to trust him a lot more, and we're going to see him quite a lot, especially after what happened last night. But that, I'll be honest, I think that's mostly on Kapler. Mm-hmm. Well, what, why do yeah, you say he, that? Uh, like the Hunter shouldn't have come out uh, for the ninth inning, or what, what he was should not the, have the bad come out move? for the ninth inning. My goodness. Gabe Kapler has done this <laughs> one more time than he should because he did it two straight times recently. And then he's now he's done it a third time. And I'm hoping that this is what teaches him, you know, Hunter sat for an inning for a half an inning after going out and having a great inning, a great outing. He looked fantastic. And then he has him come out and he walks the leadoff hitter and puts in Pat Neshek and Pat Neshek allows, you know, a two run home run. 
I, it, I, from what I remember, because I turned the game off not long after this, only to turn it on and be horribly disappointed, um, that it was the tying run. It, it would only have been, you know, they, the Phillies still would have had a one-run lead, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, the words that I said, it, it's like he, he can't do that. You know, he's just putting his relievers in situations where they're going to fail. Yeah, and then uh, well, eventually it was Naris that that came in and you know sort of stopped the bleeding. Um, but uh, and say I'm trying to remember if that was uh, the the Alfaro throw too that uh, gave the the Nationals the insurance. I'm sorry to make you relive this. <laughs> the defense not... on this team, no kidding, <laughs> makes me feel like putting my hand in an industrial shredder. It's really hideous. It's been one of my major grateful year. Because so many players have been out of play out of position. They just want to get the best they can because they don't want to make decisions yet. They can't do more. I'll die. <laughs> die. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I'm, st- I'm sorry. You, you, you kind of got me stuck on, on the, the hand in the shredder there. So I'm, I'm trying to get, get, <laughs> get past that. And I don't want you to do that either because that's going to make it hard for you to write your, your great columns. So, uh, <laughs> uh We'll we'll move on to to uh, well something that's probably equally uh, disturbing here. Uh, Nick Pavetta, two bad starts after a string of of some really promising starts. That's you know that's kind of been the season for Pavetta. Um, you know a bad run versus followed by a good run and bad then good and now bad again. Um, so you know again sort of like with the bullpen situation, it's it's sort of hard to read it right now. But what do you see for Nick Pavetta rest of season? Can he have one more good run left in him? I think they're going to surprise. Uh, I don't really know who they put up there if not for the guys that have. They could have gone out at Cole Hamilton, which is what I really wanted them to do. And I don't think they were willing to give up what Texas said, pointing as they could have had him. And then and I think he would come willing after spending a half season with, you know, the next Phillies team that's the playoff. Um, I really wish that they had they had picked him because Nick Pavetta just doesn't seem up to the job sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no one, but there's no one, there's no one else to slot in there. I think Ben Live is doing badly at AAA right now. Um, he's, they're about to play off Lehigh Valley. It's not that's over. Um, and even then, you know, if has a role, because he's supposed to be injured. I saw him recently and was surprised. I'm like, hey, he's back. So yeah, there's really nothing else we can do except hope, you know, Nick Pavetta from earlier this year shows up. Yeah. And I apologize, Liz. Uh, I think we're having a little bit of a connection probably with the phone. So the last picture that you mentioned, you talked about uh, Lively first, and then who was the one that's doing well at uh, Lehigh Valley? I was talking about Ben Lively. He, I was surprised oh, to see him back. Okay. He spent most of the season injured. Um, yes. So I don't know if he has a role in the book. Even if bullpen for it, I think we just want him to stop pitching for a while. Uh, so there's just no one else left. Nick has anything left. All right. Uh, well, Liz, uh, I think we got to go here. Uh, but uh, again, I appreciate uh, all the insight and for you to come here on short notice. And so much. All right, Liz. Thanks so much. So that was Liz Rocher from uh, Yahoo Sports and specifically Big League Stew. So uh, look for her work there. 
And um, as far as uh, actually, I wanted to ask Liz about the weather because I think she's talking to us from Ohio uh, and looking at the weather for uh, today's and tonight's games. That seems to be the only place where there's a potential issue. Uh, the Reds are hosting the Brewers. It's a 24 percent chance of precipitation uh, at game time, which is 710 Eastern. Uh, and then it's pretty much hovering around that 25-30% chance uh, mark for uh, the rest of the evening there. So uh, Brewers and Reds players, uh, definitely think twice about using them uh, for your daily lineups. And then Indians hosting the Twins. Uh, kind of a similar situation there, 43% chance of precipitation at game time. Uh, and then uh, you know hovering somewhere, it looks like about the 25-40 to, to 40 range thereafter. So... Those four teams, Brewers, Reds, Twins, Indians, uh, be cautious there in terms of uh, the chance for a delay or, or maybe cancellation with those games. Uh, we had a uh, game that was suspended on Tuesday night due to weather, and so that one's been continued today. That's uh, Mets and Cubs. I think that one's actually uh, wound up. Yeah, that one, one wound up going uh, 11 innings, but the Cubs pulling that one out two to one so uh you know that's uh let's see who uh, so it was uh jesse chavez getting the win getting the credit for the win in that one uh and we did see the return of pedro strope in the ninth inning a one two three inning for him in a tie ball game so good sign for him uh we'll get to some other bullpen stuff in a little while uh but just a few other news items to get to Uh, The Braves gave uh, Tyler Flowers a $4 million uh, contract extension for 2019. And uh, also there's a $6 million option. I believe that's a team option, but I'm actually not sure. For 2020 uh, with a $2 million buyout. Uh, So those figures coming to us from John Heyman, FanCred Sports. So a total of $6 million guaranteed to Tyler Flowers uh, over the next couple of years. So... Uh, you know, being rewarded for his work the last couple of seasons. And I also just saw literally right as we started the show that the Braves picked up Rene Rivera from the Angels. So apparently maybe there's enough concern there uh, about Kurt Suzuki that uh, they're they're just getting some insurance. Uh, But maybe we see a bit more of Tyler Flowers down the stretch. Uh, Anyways, Michael Pineda is out for the year. Of course, he hasn't pitched this year. Uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery, but he's not. We're not going to see him this year. He has a torn meniscus in his right knee, according to Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, some good news for Sean Doolittle. He threw a bullpen session on Tuesday and feels well enough and has progressed enough that he is now scheduled for a sim game this Sunday. And then after that game, there'll be another evaluation for Doolittle. So maybe some chance that Sean Doolittle is back next week. So that is certainly one to watch. And that update uh, from a Masson report. We also have uh, an update on Aroldis Chapman from MLB.com. On Tuesday, he got a PRP injection. That was his second injection uh, since going on the DL uh, with the knee, uh, the, the recurring uh, or ongoing, I should say, knee tendinitis. He also got an injection last Friday. And sticking with the bullpen theme here, so we talked about that Philly situation. So Liz agrees with me that uh, it doesn't appear there's there's much, at least I think in the short run, 
She seems to think even in the long run, much of a, a chance of, of saves for Sir Anthony Dominguez, but it's kind of a mess. So we saw Tommy Hunter start the ninth with a save situation. Then they brought in uh, Pat Neshek, who has seen some save opportunities lately, uh, and he blew the save. And as, as uh as Liz mentioned, Hector Neris has been terrific since getting called up. So he will probably figure in that committee situation as well. Meanwhile, with the Nationals, we had Ryan Madsen activated on Monday and then used right away Monday night, uh, but not in the ninth inning, which made sense. But then given that he pitched on Monday, he wasn't used for the save the, on Tuesday. Uh, so there you had uh, Justin Miller starting off the, the ninth and then Greg Holland uh, ultimately coming in and getting the save. So that situation's kind of a mess too. Um, so I would, would avoid them both, and well, at least this week. And then, like I said, next week, hopefully we get Sean Doolittle back and, and uh, he brings uh, hopefully some stability to that Nationals situation. The Dodgers situation, uh, some sort of unexpected and uh, a little bit strange news uh, in terms of Kenley Jansen that uh, those three bad outings that he had after getting activated off the DL, he credited to uh, how he was feeling uh, due to side effects from his, his heart medication. And so we talked to his cardiologist, and the cardiologist said it was okay to go off it for a while. And so that happened on Sunday and then Tuesday night. Jansen pitched in a non-save situation for the Dodgers, and it was another another bad outing for him where he gave up a couple of runs. So I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. I think as a fantasy owner, you have no choice at this point but to sit Kenley Jansen. Uh, and maybe, you know, once he's off that medication for a while, uh, you know, he'll feel better and, and pitch better. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, you know, I had the same reaction that uh, some others on Twitter had that it's, you know, we care more about you, Kenley, than the than the fantasy results uh, or, or even the real world results. Uh, so, hopefully, he's doing the right thing here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know, in terms of the fantasy angle on this, uh, it's 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 very hard to trust uh, Kenley Jansen at this point. Now that he's had four uh, bad outings in a row, and I mentioned uh, the situation there: Pedro Strope being back in a uh, tie game in the top of the ninth, the closer type situation. So after getting pulled uh, from a safe situation on Monday, he still seems to have the the confidence of Joe Madden. Uh, Will Smith was probably making, or I should say probably more Bruce Bochy making some fantasy owners nervous by not using Will Smith on either Sunday or Monday after a couple of uh, less than stellar outings. But he was just getting some rest. And then he appeared uh, in that same type of situation tie game it was actually a scoreless tie top of the ninth uh and he did just fine so looks like both strope and smith even though it looked like they maybe they were sort of uh getting more towards the edge of that save situation for their respective teams that they're both fine and both essentially the the closers for those teams so uh before i get into looking at tuesday's results i want to look ahead to the schedule, I already talked about the, the weather uh, for the games this afternoon and tonight. Uh, but I ran a Twitter poll because, and I do this often, when I have a streaming conundrum, uh, I, I'm interested in seeing what, what folks think. So I, I'm i going to actually just tip my hand right right away before even getting into the uh, the poll results. I, I was thinking about streaming Erasmo Ramirez. 
And I on let's see on Tuesday I thought about using Brian Johnson uh, with the great matchup against the Marlins, and then the little voice in my head said, "Don't get cute with your streamers." So I didn't, and it probably was fine because he he didn't last real long in that game, although he pitched fine. Uh, but I had a similar situation here. Rasmo Ramirez, who's had three pretty good starts in a row with a great matchup at San Diego. And I, di- I changed my mind. So I went ahead, or I changed my process, I should say. And I went ahead, and I, I am streaming Erasmo Ramirez uh, in a daily league uh, tonight. Uh, or Actually, I think it's later this afternoon against the Padres. Uh, I did not stream Jason Vargas, but I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to use Ramirez, should I think about Vargas? Because Vargas has also been good in his last three starts. But the big difference here is that he gets the Cubs. So obviously a big, big difference in matchup but i decide let's just throw this out to uh to the twitter world and and see what they think so the question i asked is would you stream erasmo ramirez at san diego and or jason vargas at the cubs today and the results were pretty much what i thought they'd be and pretty much in line with what i actually did uh 51 said they would start ramirez but not vargas and 57 percent said that they'd start both Ramirez and Vargas. So basically out of the, so it was, well, I should say 6% said they'd start both of them. So I'm doing a little addition here. So one way or another, 57% of the respondents would see fit to start Erasmo Ramirez uh, at the Padres. But only 4% said they would start Vargas, but not Ramirez. So you added that 6% that said they would start both pitchers and you're looking at 10% willing to start Vargas uh, today as opposed to the 57% who would start Ramirez. And that 39% said, I don't want to start either of them. I actually thought that number would be higher. So I felt very validated in my choice to uh, stream Erasmo, Erasmo Ramirez. So we'll see how he does uh, against the Padres. All right, well, let's uh, get to some of the standout performances from Tuesday's games. Uh, Christian Yelich hit his 24th and 25th homers. And I remember, and I've brought this up more than once, so if you're tired of hearing me talk about it, I apologize. I'm going to bring it up one more time, maybe the last time, that he got to 25 homers now with that two-homer game at Cincinnati on Tuesday. And so in a column somewhere, whether it was bold predictions or some other column, where I said that I thought that Vargas, or I'm sorry, Vargas, still talking about thinking about Vargas, Christian Yelich would get to 25 homers as a brewer, and my recollection was that uh, more people were skeptical, these people who saw fit to respond, were more skeptical uh, than supportive of the notion that he was going to be a 25-homer hitter as a brewer just because of the change of, of venue. And so here we are. We're not even in September, and Yelich has 25. So he's actually got a decent shot at getting to 30. And uh, just to sort of reinforce the the original thinking behind that, that the venue could make a difference, uh, Yelich, uh, the 25 home runs, 15 of them are at home. Now, these two on on Tuesday were at Great American Ballpark. That's, you know, it was, it was a road game for the Brewers, but also a very good venue. So 15 at Miller Park. Those two, maybe others, I haven't looked at the full splits by all the venues, but at least two in Cincinnati. Uh, and then he's got eight other road home runs uh, beside the two that he hit last night. So 
Uh, Yelich is somebody who, you know, year after year ranks very high in terms of exit velocity and fly ball distance, but just doesn't hit a lot of fly balls. But apparently hitting enough fly balls to make those venues, uh, you know, very favorable for him. So there we go. Probably won't bring that up again. Talk about Christian Yelich again, but not the the stupid prediction I made. Anyways, uh, Ender Enciarte has been sneaky hot, but maybe it's a little less sneaky uh, since having a four-hit game on Tuesday, four for four with his ninth homer of the season over his last 30 games. Enciarte batting 298 with three homers. Uh, you know, the power's nice, but over the last month or so, I don't think we need to expect that. But uh, he is back to being somebody who can help you with batting average. A little bit disappointing in that regard for much of the season, but he's he's back. And also hitting higher in the batting order, at least against righties, which is very good to see. Randall Gritchick had a four-hit game as well. He was four for five, and he homered uh, against the Orioles in Baltimore. So he's on a bit of a hot streak as well over his last seven games. Gritchick is 10 for 23 with a couple of homers. So while Kendris Morales is understandably and rightfully so getting... Uh, all the attention uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, Grichik is is doing nicely too. And Billy McKinney, who's also been on a hot streak and getting some attention, uh, did not get a hit on uh, on Tuesday at Baltimore. And then uh, one more hitter, uh, just to zero in on here, Ryan Zimmerman. He's been red hot. And of course, he's been somebody whose stock went up just by the mere fact that the Nationals traded away Matt Adams Talked about him a little earlier in the show. He's maybe due for a little bit more playing time with the Cardinals. But Zimmerman uh, got three triples on Tuesday in that game at Philadelphia. Uh, And the second half now, he's just putting up phenomenal numbers. He's hitting 323 with seven homers and now 12 doubles. So if Zimmerman's still out there, uh, he definitely needs to be considered as a first base option in in pretty much uh, any format. as far as pitchers who stood out on Tuesday, we had a couple of pitcher duels that uh, weren't necessarily ones you'd expect. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. You had Clay Buckholtz going against Masson Bumgarner. So probably no big upset that Masson Bumgarner threw seven scoreless innings. I've been a naysayer about Clay Buckholtz for many weeks, maybe months. So I I still don't completely understand it. It is AT&T Park. So that certainly helped both pitchers. Uh, and Buckholz, like like Bumgarner, threw seven scoreless innings. But I still, you know, he's he's I think he's going to be fine for whip. He's not walking anybody. But the strikeout rate is just sort of blah. And I, I just, I don't know. To me, he's still somebody that I, I would like with a couple of starts. And I think this did look to be a two-start week for uh, for Buck Colts, but in other weeks, uh, I you know down the stretch here, I, I still have a hard time seeing that I'm going to trust him. Uh, but the other pitchers duel, which I really didn't see coming, was uh, Padres Mariners Knicks versus Felix Hernandez, and it was a it was a for Jacob Knicks it was a weird uh, start for him, but a good one. He went eight and a, uh, eight and a third innings, and then uh, Kirby Yates came in and, and finished it up, got the save. Uh, but no, or I'm sorry, one run allowed over eight and a third. Uh, eight hits and no walks for Knicks. And Knicks, in a way, sort of has that that profile like Buckholz, like doesn't walk anybody. 
but and I, I don't want people to get too literal with that. Uh, I should be more careful maybe in making that comparison because Buckholz is just merely a you know an average strikeout guy. Nick's looks like he's going to be a low strikeout guy, and that certainly was the case here. In eight and a third innings against the Mariners, he didn't get a single strikeout. So just a, a weird pitching line that you don't often see. Eight and a third innings, one run, no Ks. Very odd, but certainly if uh, anybody started Jacob Nix, you'll happily take that. But on the other side of it, Felix Hernandez coming off of a pretty good start against the Astros, this time with a much more favorable matchup at the Padres. And just a, a good all-around start for, for Felix. Two runs and in seven innings on four hits and two walks with nine strikeouts. And he's gotten a bunch of called strikes in each of the last two starts. And in a way, you know, we look at the Astros and the, the Padres and you see a high strikeout number against the Padres. And you think, ah, oh, well, that's the matchup. But when you do it by way, of, by way of the called strike, in a way, it's almost more impressive that he did it against the Padres because that's, that's an aggressive team. So to get them to just sit there and take a called strike, something the, something good is happening, I think, with uh, with Felix Hernandez. So over those two starts, again, this one against the Padres and then the previous one uh, at home against the Astros, uh, in each of those he got 22 called strikes out of 100 pitches in the last uh, start and then 101 pitches in this start on Tuesday. So almost exactly a 22% called strike rate. Yes, it's a very small sample, just two games, two teams, although two very different teams. But uh, uh, of the curveballs that he's thrown in these two starts, almost one out of every three has resulted in a called strike. So that's that's pretty intriguing. I'm looking forward to digging into that a little bit more. And uh, a couple other performances, pitching performances, just to make note of. Jack Flaherty with another good one, starting to build some consistency here. Uh, maybe not just starting to, but uh, seven innings with just one run on four hits and no walks. Just five Ks for Flaherty, so that's a little bit of an outlier for him uh, against the Pirates. So, uh, I don't know. It's taken maybe me a little bit longer than a lot of other fantasy owners to get to the point where you know i feel like jack flaherty is must start where i could trust him every week you know regardless of matchups or whatever but um we have to go back to july 31st for his last sub quality start uh in fact that was the last of a series of five starts in a row where he did not pitch more than five and a third innings since then he's made five starts all quality starts uh, so obviously all six innings are greater, and he's allowed no runs or one run in four out of those five starts. So he's just been he's just been outstanding, Jack Flaherty. So I, I do think you you got to go with him now, regardless of who who the opponent is. I'm not quite there yet with Jake Junis, but he has continued on a, a nice run, and again the he's been much stingier with the home runs. So he tossed a complete game against the Tigers. Not a very good start for Matt Boyd, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, Junis went complete game, so he got the win. Uh, two runs on six hits, no walks. Again, that's pretty much standard fare for Jake Junis, not walking very many batters. Seven Ks, so the strikeout-to-walk ratio is good for Junis. It's just the home runs. And I had thought for a while that if he could just reduce the home runs with that strikeout-to-walk ratio, Jake Junis is going to be really, really helpful in fantasy. And guess what? Not no home runs against the Tigers, but just one. 
So he's been a much, much better pitcher of late. So that is all I've got for you folks. So uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. Certainly thank you for tuning in to the show. And uh, I will be back on uh, on Friday and get you ready for, uh, for the week ahead as we get closer and closer and closer to the final week here. So uh, have a great one, everybody, and take care.